That's pretty wild, isn't it? Did y'all see that movie Terminator where the computers like take over the world and stuff? Kind of scary, isn't it? Now, I love the presentation uh, of information there. I mean, the, the questions it raises, the, the technology, the advancement, the research. And folks, every bit of it saying that life is coming at you, it's coming at me, rocket fast. How do we keep up with it? You know, it's not news to say that technology is shaping our world today. We already know that. What is news is that it's shaping it so fast, we can't keep up with it. You and I have less ability today to stand right here and imagine one year from now what that will look like. We have less ability than any other human that's ever walked this planet. We really don't know what an entire year could bring to us. I mean, what does that even mean? That in the next year, humanity will generate more new information than was amassed in the last 5,000 years combined. I mean, that, that's exciting, it, it's overwhelming, it's scary. But I'll tell you something. Whatever it means to this world, to you, to your family, whatever it means, good or bad, I can promise you this. It won't solve any of our problems. Well, how do you know that? Te- technology fixes things. We, we live longer, we heal things, we, we make things better. How, how do you know it won't solve our problems? I'll tell you why. Because the problems... The frustrations, the hurts, the emptiness that we experience as individuals, as families, as nations. We have all the same problems today that we had when we were traveling by covered wagon and sending telegrams. Technology, politics, a changing world has never met the deep needs of your soul and my soul. Now what we're going to talk about the next three weeks will meet those needs if you were here last week and i trust many of you were you know that last week we started a 30-day journey a 30-day experiment to live like we were dying you know what that's hard it makes a great song makes a neat theme but i mean really to make decisions day in and day out as if i was dying i I mean i'd notice oh man two days just went by i didn't think a thing about it that that's not living like you were dying remember what we said last week Man, we're going to die. Whether it's in 22, it's 22 days now. You saw the ticker, didn't you? You're down to 22 days. By the way, if you're ever wondering how long you have to live, just go to chbaptist.com and you'll see the ticker there. I mean, very few other churches offer you that opportunity. Just click, boom, there. That's how much longer I have to live. But you know what? Whether we live 22 days or a whole lot longer, we are going to die. And more importantly, we saw in Scripture last week that not only are we going to die, but then we're going to go before God and we're going to be judged. We asked the question last week, how do you want that to go? How, how do you want that to go when you're talking with God about, about your family, your finances, your friends, your job, your personal life? When you're discussing that, when that's on the judgment block, how do you want that to go? What we said last week is let's live with the end in mind. Whatever I want that conversation with God to look like whenever that happens, live like it today. Make decisions in light of that today. Now, last week when we started with 30 days at 720 hours, I asked you and I believe many of us made the commitment that out of those 720 hours, 12 of them are going to be right here. We're going to make ourselves available to God to what He wants to say and to what He wants to do. I ask you to make a commitment to be here in worship every Sunday till February 1st. I hope it's not like a ghost town on February 8th. 
But we're going to be here every Sunday till February 1st. We're going to be in a Bible fellowship class every Sunday till February 1st. Folks, in Bible fellowship, maybe you've just gotten here. You didn't have a chance to do that at 930. You can start next week. Get here at 930. Go to that information desk. Say, I want to be in a Bible fellowship class. Why? The lessons they're studying in there complement and supplement what we're doing in here. But I think even more importantly, there's a chance in there for people to share and to talk about Man, this this is what I saw God do when I was living like I was dying. This is how God directed. And you'll get a chance to to hear and, and perhaps to discuss and to talk about what God is doing. Another thing I challenged you to do was to to get the devotional. There's a uh, 20 daily readings that we can take on during this 30 days. Now, y'all have gobbled this up. If you're wanting this, I'm sorry, we don't have it for you today. That's a great commercial here. Get this. We don't have any. Now, we uh, we bought 300. You bought every one of those last week. We bought a hundred more and they're already gone today. I'm sorry. But if you go out there and order one, we'll have them for you here on Wednesday night or next Sunday. Uh, You know what? This is this is kind of slanted as as an individual thing. You read through it as an individual. But uh, we've we've done some of these as a family. We do do the reading as a family. I would highly encourage you to get this. Now, why? Why the why the devotionals? Why Bible fellowship? Why worship? Why do all this? Because, folks, if I'm living 30 more days, I want it to count. And I want to make myself available to God, to what he says, to how he leads, to how he guides and directs. And what I learn, what he shows me, remember we said last week, if it's important to do someday, we're going to do it when? Today. We're going to live like today counts. Now, what we're looking at the next three weeks is these three topics. Speaking sweeter, loving deeper, and giving forgiveness. Now, folks, these three things can absolutely breathe life and joy and meaning. They can revolutionize every relationship you have on every single level. Whether we're talking about your your marriage or parenting or talking to your parents or friends, co-workers, classmates, strangers. Folks, these things are the answers to every one of your relationships. And they will meet the deep needs of your soul. You know what's really amazing about all that's happening in our world, all the advancement in technology? Folks, if you'll stop and think about it, if anything, technology probably makes our relationships a little worse. If anything, it probably makes them a little bit harder to really happen. So you be here. Let's take this on. And let's turn to, what do we call them? Ancient words? It's in these ancient words that we have the timeless truths for what we need today in our soul and in our relationships. You know, we're talking today about speaking sweeter. Now, you look at some of the people in your life. Think about them right now. Now, you've got at least one person you're not going to speak sweeter than them. Right? Why in the world do I want to speak sweeter? Because you're going to die. That's why you're going to speak sweeter because you're going to die. And even more importantly, you're going to go and stand before God and talk about those words. If you think about it, you now have seven less days to get the right words on the table. You've got seven less days to fix the words that should have never gotten to the table. Do you think about staying before the Lord in that way? Actually talking about the words that you said? You know, I, folks, I think you'll remember this verse. Jesus said we really need to think a lot about it. 
Because Jesus said this, I tell you at the day of judgment, you will people will have to give an account for what's that word? Every. At the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you spoke. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now just sit and think on that one for a moment. I'm not sure I want to answer for my words the last seven days, much less my whole life. How about you, youth over here? You ready to talk to God about the words you texted this past week? How about your conversations in the hallway? Are you ready to say, hey, let's talk about that conversation you had on Tuesday with that person? You ready to talk with the Lord about every one of those conversations? Maybe they weren't a conversation to somebody, but they were a conversation about somebody. And of course, what I say to the youth is true for the rest of us. For the rest of us, it probably wasn't in a classroom, probably wasn't in a hallway, but it was at work. Are you ready to, to sit down with the Lord and listen to that tape of every conversation, every word that came out of your mouth the last seven days? Folks, I'll be honest with you, that kind of scares me to death. I wonder how many times I will, and you'll be there too, how many times I'll be listening to that tape and go, oh, oh, did I, I said that. Or how many times will we be listening to that tape and, and it's not just what we said, but it's how we said it. Ah. And I've got seven less days to correct those words. You know what, folks, honestly, 22 days left or however long I have left to live, I've got words I can't fix anymore. I've got words that can condemn me. All I know to do at this point is to take those words to the, to the foot of the cross and trust my Savior. Trust that His blood will cleanse, His blood will wash, His blood will forgive. Because I've got words that I anticipate will not be very pleasant to talk to the Lord about. But as I take on this passage, I realize, hey, wait a minute, I still do have 22 days and, and however much beyond that the Lord might give me to start putting the right words on the table. Man, I want to have some words that when I'm standing there with God and He said, did you really say that? That I can say, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did say that. Boy, folks, our words have so much power. Proverbs chapter 18 says there is life and there is death in the power of your tongue, in the power of your words. We know that. We know that. We know that our words can encourage people, can, can lift up people, can put a smile on their face, can, can affirm their life, can affirm the directions they're going and the things they're doing. Our words can help people get up and go again. Of course, we also know there's a flip side to that. Our words can cut. Our, our words can wound. Our words can destroy. Many of us know what that's like. Way too many of us know what that's like. To hear that word from that parent, that teacher, maybe even a friend. 
Maybe it wasn't said something to us, but it was behind our back. And we know what it is to hear those words and have them cut into our soul and cut into our worth. It's amazing. It's amazing the word that will stick with us. If I was having kind of an Oprah warm gushy moment. Folks, I remember a word a teacher told me when I was in fourth grade. Happened in probably ten seconds. Those words sting. But you know what? Way too many of us also know. We know what it is to say those words. Because we haven't just been wounded by words. We've also been the ones to do the wounding. We'll stop and be honest with ourselves. We'll realize it's our words that have probably very negatively shaped somebody's life. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. The Bible says with it, referring to our tongue. He says we use our tongue to praise our Lord and our Father. And then we turn right around and with the very same tongue we curse men who are made in the likeness of the very God we just praised. Out of the same mouth, using the very same tongue, comes blessings and cursings. My brothers, this should not be. Shouldn't be that way. Should it? God says it shouldn't be that way that, that we come in here and with our tongue we sing praises to God and, and with our tongue we proclaim our faith and, and we talk with our tongue about what we believe and then we go out of here and sometimes seconds later, maybe if we're having a really good day, it's not for hours later, with the very same tongue we lash out in harshness. We lash out in rudeness. The very same tongue we use to praise God, we now use that same tongue to lie. We now use that same tongue to say something ugly to somebody. We use that same tongue to talk bad about somebody. We use that same tongue to lash out in anger and in frustration. You say, well, come on, come on, Pastor. I mean, there are things out there to be frustrated about. There are things out there to be angry about. You know what? You're absolutely right. There are. And at times we're going to speak to that. But remember, we're not talking about at times, are we? We're in a little journey right now. We're in an experiment. What would I do if I only had 22 more days to live? And folks, I've never been in a case where I knew my life was over in 22 more days. But I tell you what, I've watched a lot of people who have. And I can promise you beyond a shadow of doubt, if you had 22 days to live, lashing out in anger and frustration would be at the very bottom of your priority list. You know, when I think about this, I mean, folks, you're, in the next 22 days, you're going to run into some folks who deserve it. They deserve to be lashed out. You'd be, you'd be very justified. Your anger would be justified. Your words would be justified. But you know what, folks? So rarely do we accomplish what God wants when we do that. You know, I was praying about this, thinking about this. This is one of my points that I was struggling with. And, you know, I just felt like the Lord impressed on me. He said, you know what, Randy, you may have a right to say something there. It might, might be good for you to say something there. But, gosh darn, Randy, when you do that, you always mess it up. I'll tell you what, for the next 22 days, Randy, just trust me with that. 
Just trust that I can deal with that person who's made such a mess of things. Now, if we only had 20 days, could we do that? Could we trust the Lord? Folks, you're going to run into him. I promise you, 22 days is a long time. There are a lot of people out there. And they're going to deserve you to lash out in anger. But for 22 days, we say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to leave that person to you. I'm going to trust that you can handle that. And I know, Lord, you probably handle it better than me. And we'll leave it there for 22 days. Let's see what happens. And that's that's kind of the experiment. That's kind of the, the journey we're on right now. Listen, folks, words of anger, words of cussing, dirty words, dirty jokes, speaking ugly to somebody, speaking rude to somebody, talking about somebody. Isn't it sad that sometimes our conversation with this person can cause them to dislike somebody they hardly even know? Think about that. Every one of us has had that conversation. Every person in this room has told somebody something that made them dislike somebody else. Why? Why do you need to lead somebody to dislike somebody else? Folks, all these kinds of words, let me guarantee you what you can know. In that moment that you're having that conversation, I can promise you, God is not with you. And he is not a part of who you are. And he is not a part of what you're doing. And let me give an even bigger promise. You don't want to stand before God and talk about those words. Now, folks, these are difficult words to hear, but they're easy. The, these passages are easy to understand and they are easy to go home and apply. You know, I read these passages we're looking at this morning. It reminds me of uh, something Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said, people get all bothered about the passages in the Bible they don't understand. I get bothered by the passages in the Bible I do understand. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, look at these passages. These are tough passages, but they're not tough because they're hard to understand. And they're not tough because they're hard to do. Folks, there is nothing about you, good, bad, indifferent, right, wrong, that means you can't do these things. So we've got a life operating principle here. Here's a principle that is going to govern my tongue for the next 22 days. That is going to govern my tongue for the rest of my life. If I wouldn't say it to the Lord, then I'm not going to say it to them. Now, folks, understand, that's not just a little imaginary game we play to kind of hold our tongue in check. Folks, that's the real deal. Every word that comes out of your mouth this week, you're going to talk to the Lord about it one day at his throne. If you don't want to talk to the Lord about that word, don't say it. I mean, it is just that simple. Yes, requires a little bit of self-control. Yes, requires a little discipline to slow down and think through that. But folks, after we've slowed down and thought about it, do I want to talk to the Lord about that? Nope, then I'm not going to say it. It's that easy. It's just that easy. Now, what are we going to say? What are we going to talk about? Well, I do want you to open your Bible this morning. Turn with me to Ephesians 4.29. It's another very short, simple verse. But I do want us to open it. I want us to be interacting with God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some on the chairs in front of you. You can grab one and study along with us. Ephesians 4.29 talks about what we don't say, talks about what we do say. Good memory verse. Good verse to memorize and carry with you Throughout this week, Ephesians, kind of in the middle of the New Testament there. Get past Corinthians, Galatians, you'll run into Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Says there, no rotten talk. 
should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. Now it says no rotten talk should come out of your mouth. Now we've, we've already spent a good bit of time this morning talking about the rotten parts of our talk, but I do want to point out this. It's real interesting. This word here in the Greek language for rotten, it's the same word used for rancid fish. Now, now think about what the Scripture is communicating right here. Have you ever seen, ever smelled a rotting fish? My gosh, you smell a good fish. It ain't, I mean, it's starting off bad. Have you smelled rotting fish? You know what? Even if you never have, I bet you can kind of imagine it. If you were to open up the garbage can, if you were to walk down on the dock and you see, you smell that rotting fish, what's going to be your response? Get it, get it away, get it away. Well, folks, why I understand this passage. That's what God's doing. When you and I are lying and cussing, telling dirty jokes. Calling names, cutting down, tearing into talking bad about someone else. When you're having that conversation, God's looking at you and your words and he's going Get it away. No rotting fish. Should be smelled in my words. What kind of words am I supposed to have? Well, the Lord says there's two things here that should characterize my conversation. Two things that should characterize my speech. He says, one, build up. And you could stop right there and say, my words are to encourage, they're to build up. But I want you to notice the phrase, those in need. The second thing my words should do is give grace, give grace. Now, let's think about that building up. It doesn't just say encourage people, but it says in need. I'm to look for their need. Now, you remember one of the things we said we were going to do last week is we were going to try. This is hard. We're going to try to take off busyness. We're going to try to take off just running around and doing stuff. And what what were we going to put on? Relationships. I'm going to put on relationships. Folks, if you will go throughout this week and you'll try to be still, and this is the hard part, and I know this is a bad word in some homes, I'm sorry, but if you'll be still and shut up, just quit talking, okay, for just like a little bit, listen. Listen to what your mate is saying. Listen to what they're talking about at work. Listen to what your friends are talking about at school. Folks, it's been my experience, and I'm talking about just, you know, stopping and talking to somebody in a restaurant, seeing somebody at the mall. You just stop and have a three, four, five minute conversation. If you will listen, now that means I'm also not thinking about what I'm going to say next. I mean, you're just genuinely actually trying to hear what this person is saying. Folks, I want to tell you something. People communicate their need in what they say. Sometimes in the shortest, what seemingly might be most meaningless conversations, people communicate their need in what they're saying. Sometimes you can listen to a person, you can tell, boy, they are. Their worth is really suffering. And if I'll listen to that and I'll catch that, you know what my next word should be? Words that give worth. Words that value. Maybe I I listen and I pick up, boy, there seems to be some real guilt there. There seems to be some shame there. You know, I'm going to speak words that give forgiveness. 
Maybe they don't think there's an answer to anything. Maybe they don't think there's any way this is going to get better than my words. Remember, it's building where the need is. My words should give hope. Wow, that's what I, I don't know if I've got that kind of insight, that kind of in, You know, then start every morning, say, God, give me wisdom. Help me to hear the conversations I'm going to have today. It's not that hard. And then speak words that give forgiveness, that give hope, that give life, that give encouragement. That's what our conversations are to be characterized by. Not cutting down, not tearing down. Not ripping into, but building up, encouraging where there's a need. It says the second thing we're to do is to give grace. Now, you know what that word grace means. We sing about amazing grace, very popular New Testament word. Grace is a gift. Grace means unmerited favor. It's a gift that's been given whether they deserve it or not. So in this context, we might look at this and God is saying, the reason I'm going to build up, the, re the reason I'm going to speak these words, it's grace. I'm not speaking these words because they're going to speak them back. I'm not speaking these words because they deserve it. I'm not speaking these words because they're going to change. It's grace. It's unmerited favor. I'm doing it because it's been done for me. Because this kindness, this love, this forgiveness has been shown to me in the person of Jesus Christ. But you know, this word grace has another meaning in the Greek language. It, it, it is a gift or an enablement. And I think in the context of this passage, I think probably the best way to translate that word grace is with that word enablement. My words, my conversations should enable people. When they leave my presence, they, they should feel more enabled to seek God, more enabled to get through the rest of this day, more enabled to, to take on that difficult task, to take on that difficult relationship. They should feel more encouraged, more enabled to do whatever is in front of them. So there's a second life operating principle. Here's a principle that's going to guide my tongue. Speak words that enable so, folks, think about it now. All your kinds of conversations from your, your mate to your children to your parents to a waitress to somebody you're talking to at the ball field to, to, to an enemy. Speak words that build. Speak words that meet a need. Speak words that enable. You know what you're going to find happen? People love being around you. They won't even know why, but for some reason, every time they leave your presence, they, they feel a little bit better about themselves and they feel a little bit better about life. You're saying, no, no, wait a minute. I mean, are, it, surely there's a place to be harsh. I mean, some of us, if we can't be harsh somewhere, we're going to explode. I mean, Pastor, are you saying there's no place to be harsh? There's no place to be confrontational? Sure there is. We've already addressed that, though, haven't we? Yes, there's a place to do that. But for the next 22 days, we're going to leave it to the Lord. We're going to trust him with it. And you know what, folks, even when we live beyond 22 days, while there might be a place to be harsh and a place to be confrontational, it should be the rare, not the norm. Rare? Gosh, so you're saying it should only be three or four times a day? No, I'm saying it maybe should only be three or four times every couple of months. I mean, really? Really, it should be that rare. Ephesians 4.29 is saying what should characterize my tongue day in and day out. Conversation in and conversation out. Now, folks, I'm real quickly here in closing, I want to give you five exercises to do during the next 22 days. This is, this, we're going to work as aerobic exercise for your tongue. 
Okay? As a matter of fact, it's in your bulletin. I wrote them out there for you so you could, you could easily take them home with you. Look under in focus to the, uh, what is that? The far left of your bulletin when you open up. You see, it says there are five speaking habits right under live like you were dying. Now, we've got 22 days, 21 hours, 33 minutes. Excuse me. Gosh, we just lost a second. 32 minutes, 56 seconds to live. In that time, I'm going to do these five things. I'm going to work really hard at doing these five things. Number one, I'm going to look for something to say thank you to three times a day. Does that sound like a lot? It shouldn't. Folks, we shouldn't have much trouble saying thank you 21 times in seven days. Hey, thank you for that meal you prepared. Hey, thank you for the way you did that. Hey, thank you for that what you said to me the other day. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. People of gratitude, say thank you. Number two, actually number two and number three are kind of the same. They go together. I'm going to purposely encourage one person a day by something I say. I'm going to purposely encourage one person a day. I am looking for somebody every day. Maybe it's because of what I've heard. And I'm going to look to say something that encourages, that builds a need in their life. Number three, same thing. I'm going to do this one time a week, but I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to take just a little bit more effort than just kind of something spontaneous off the cuff. I'm going to write a letter that says, man, I'm proud of you. Man, congratulations. Man, that's awesome. Hey, have I ever told you how much I appreciate this in you? How cool this is about you? One letter a week. Number four, I'm going to tell one person a day something I love about the Lord. You know, folks, sometimes the most encouraging, the most enabling thing you can say to somebody is just something that helps them refocus their vision on God. You know, even as believers, even if we're strong in the faith, we're strong in the Lord, Man, God can get kind of vague sometimes, can he? We can be looking for him, and I feel like I can't see him. I feel like I don't know what he wants. It's kind of vague and fuzzy. And to have somebody come along and just kind of reorient me. And say, man, did you, when you went out to the paper this morning, did you see the stars? Wasn't that awesome? I love God's creativity. I love God's majesty. I love God's greatness. Tell one person a day something you love about the Lord. And then lastly, look for one person a week that you can challenge. Now, by challenge, challenge can be a negative thing, can't it? Obviously, that's not what we mean right now. Look for one person a week. Maybe it's been something you've been watching, observing. Maybe it's something you know is going on in their life. And folks, by challenging, I just simply mean after what you do, they feel ready to go forward. They feel ready to take another step. You may say, hey, I'm praying for you. Or, hey, man, I know you're kind of in the middle of it right now and it doesn't look very good. Keep plugging away. But I look to encourage, to challenge somebody to be better, to go further, to go faster, to go stronger, to finish what they started. Folks, you can change lives with these five practices. Remember what it says on the sign out front, we're here to impact our community and our world for Jesus Christ. Folks, these five simple things. As a matter of fact, there's, there's, there's four things there. Like I said, number two and three are kind of the same. What I just gave you in these five exercises is four, we'll call them spices, can we? Four spices that we're going we're gonna to spice up our language with. Spice up our conversations with. You know what those four things are? Appreciation encouragement, the Lord, and challenge. 
Those four things. That's what's going to dominate my words. That's what's going to dominate my conversation. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going to have to pray about it. I'm going to have to be disciplined here. But after that, folks, it's really pretty easy. There is so much power there. Because as I said, people are going to love being around you. They're going to love being around. They're going to feel better about life. They're going to feel better about themselves. Proverbs chapter 16 says pleasant words. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Speaking sweeter. Pleasant words. You know what? They're like honeycomb. They're so sweet to the taste. And they give health to the body. Your words have the ability, the power, the potential to give health and to give life to yourself and to everybody around you. There's just one question. Will you choose to use your words in conversations this way? That's it. Now granted, you're going to come into more than one conversation and you're going to come across more than one person that it doesn't seem very motivating. Well, maybe in that moment we just stop and remember, I am going to have to stand before God and talk about every one of these words. Let's pray. Father, I, I guess I pray for faith to really do to really believe that there is this kind of power in words. Lord, I, I don't think about conversations in this way. I don't think about words in this way. And so many times words come flying out when, I, when I'm not, when I don't have self-control. I'm completely out of control. Father, I shouldn't be surprised though because in Genesis 1, I'm told that I'm made in your likeness. I'm made to be like you. And it's also in Genesis 1 that I see you spoke everything into existence. You didn't sweat. You didn't work with your hands. You didn't hammer. You didn't shovel. You just spoke. And the universe came into being. So I guess if I'm in your likeness, I shouldn't be surprised that my words have power and life in them. God, may I be careful this week with my words. God, I come before you right now and as a parent, as a friend, as a mate. Lord, I know I've spoken some awful words. I've spoken some words that, that cut and, and, and they wound. And Lord, I'm sure there's words I've spoken that I said I was sorry. I went on. I don't even think about it anymore. They're still thinking about it. It still, it still resonates and echoes in their heart and mind. God, I'm sorry for that. And I don't know what else to do except what you've asked me to do. And that's just go to your cross. Cling to Christ. Recognize my need for him. And his forgiveness. And Father, why I am so, so grateful for that forgiveness. I, I don't want to abuse it. I, I want to take what I've learned today and I want to change, God. I want my conversations to change. I want my words to change. Give me the discipline, the self-control to think carefully 
about words of an encouragement and appreciation, words about you, words that challenge people to be better. God, thank you for giving me the ability to make such a difference. And I pray that what I've prayed for myself now in these moments is the prayer and the truth for everybody in this room. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.